From the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Hi, I'm Robert Seidman, and joining me today is my friend, best-selling author of books on uh, Saturday Night Live, ESPN, and CAA, James Andrew Miller, who is also the man behind the Great Origins podcast, the latest chapter, Origins of a Champion, Nick Saban and the Alabama's, Alabama's Crimson Tide, was fantastic, and uh, Jim has been gracious enough to get my podcast going again and spend a little time talking about his podcast. Jim, welcome back to the world's fastest-growing sports media podcast with that Sports TV Ratings. Hey, thanks for having me. So uh, with college football season about to begin and all the stuff that's going on in the, uh, the college football landscape, uh, your podcast on Alabama football is obviously well-timed, and I'm sure part of that's by design. But uh, what made you want to make a chapter on Nick Saban and Alabama, Alabama football to begin with? I was really interested in how they're able to manufacture such success uh, season after season. If they don't win the championship, they're certainly in the conversation. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was try and engineer a podcast that's kind of like about football, college football in the foreground, but the truth is that it's about much more. And so as I did more reporting into the world of Saban and the way he operates down there, I just, there were things like motivation, discipline, punishment, character, all those things that uh, I have a tendency to be interested in. And uh, so I thought it could be, it could play on two levels uh, in terms of understanding more about just the football side of it, but also more importantly, the larger psychological base from which he operates. Yeah, it, it totally worked for me on a, on a non-football level. Uh, and uh, I didn't come into the podcast having any real impressions of Nick Saban other than that he's, you know, a great coach. And I certainly didn't think in my head, Nick Saban, now there's a guy with a heart of gold. Uh, but by the end of the first of the three episodes in the, uh, in the, the Nick Saban chapter, I realized I didn't know Nick Saban at all. And uh, I'm curious, A, how does that make you feel? And B... Uh, you know, how did your impressions change as you were going through this? Well, I had somewhat of a similar journey uh, as you did in the sense that I didn't go into it. I mean, obviously, I, I know who he is and I followed him just in terms of being a college football fan. But I think that I did want to kind of bring some surprising elements to the podcast. And one of the keys to that was being able to interview his wife, Terry, who doesn't do a lot of interviews and I was really thrilled to have her and she created a port of entry into Nick that was different than the other guests. And one of those things that you allude to at the end of the first chapter and I won't first episode and I won't give it away was this idea that this guy really is more multifaceted than we might think. And so that, that was a lot of, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, no, no spoilers for me either. But the uh, but the end of the first episode is is a very touching and uh, and heartwarming story. So uh, you had great access. Bo- both uh, you were in Alabama. You had great access both uh, uh, with Saban, uh, with the strength coach uh, uh, Scott Cochran, and and uh, with with Nick's wife Miss Terry, and. Um, you know that that was really the uh, that that was really something that I also didn't know before, like just how much of a three-legged stool um, those three people form in uh, in in Alabama, you know, for Alabama football. So I'm just wondering if you can if you can talk a little bit about um, am I seeing that correctly? Like I, I I really do see it from from like Nick's perspective, maybe that it, that it is a three-legged stool. Do I have that right? 
I think you're right, but I think it goes deeper than just those three. One of the things that I talked about with Tom Rinaldi on the podcast was this idea that that entire ecosystem down there is just geared towards the same kind of intensity and the same results-oriented uh, you know, game plan that, that, uh, that Saban has for an individual Saturday. So it's every part of the organization. I mean, obviously, Scotty Cochran and Miss Terry are, I think they're really important components. I think that, um, but the whole, everything seems to be connected. It's a very, very uh, well-run machine. So you have talked about the air of intensity entering the building, uh, you know, pressure cooker environment, a higher wire act without a net. And uh, I'm wondering if there's any way you can compare and contrast just like what, what walking in the bill, what walking into the facility in Alabama felt like versus, you know, walking into a tipper, typical corporate or league office environment. Well, I think it's, I think it's different. I think it's different. I think that there is a look, one of the things that, happens with Nick Saban and again Rinaldi and I talked about this is that he kind of flips on its head the edict that you should take a deep breath be relaxed in order to get your get the best results out this guy I mean he wants results his results are achieved through um, intensity and I think that that permeates the building that's not to say that people are like running around wired out of their minds but I think that everybody has a clear expectation of what their job is and what they need to do to make it successful. And as a result, I think that it's, um, it, it shows a different kind of world. It, it's just different than other places. So I'm, I'm really trying to get a better idea of this into my head just so maybe I can steal it and use it personally for myself. And uh, I had the experience the other day where I was like, uh, I was listening to an audio book and I, I wasn't really paying any attention and um, and the audiobook actually had sound effects. So at one point, a bomb explodes. And I immediately went from whatever I was distracted and thinking about uh, to, to being in the, in the present moment in some kind of a holy shit, I have to pay attention way. Is, is, is that what it feels like? Is it something else? I'm just trying to get a, get a real feeling for it. I think that there's a, first of all, there's a level of precision. Like, you know, you'll, you'll, at 710, uh, can show up at 710, 715, you'll be brought back to his office. Uh, there's everybody is even in the weeks leading up to each of the interviews, everything is, is very precise and there's a lot of accountability and there's a lot of response in a way that um, I just think that it's, it's all part of that whole kind of uh, very deliberate, very precise, you know, communications. And uh, I think that he is very deliberate and his assistant is very deliberate and, Josh Maxim, who's a wonderful, wonderful uh, communications guy down there, is very deliberate. And I think that, you know, it's, it just, it's, it's more than just paying attention. It's just behaving in a certain kind of way. On your podcast, uh, one of the things that really jumped out at me was, uh, uh, was how affected Tom Rinaldi has been by Nick Saban, sort of, you know, just by the course of uh, coming into contact with him over the years. And, uh, and he tells a real, no, no, no spoiler here either. He tells a really good story to paint that picture. Uh, I'm just, I'm just wondering, you know, how, how, how you felt about that when, when you heard Tom talking about how much, how deeply he had been affected by Saban. Well, that's the reason why I included Tom, because I thought that he brought so much to the table. 
he it turns out that I mean, look, he he has a long career and he's interviewed many people and profiled many people, but I think that Saban is kind of an outlier for him, and I think that he does talk in in, in great detail about how Saban has affected Tom's own life. And I thought that, you know, that was worth including because when when somebody has that impact on people aside from their players, I think it's worth taking note. Yeah, it was it was it was definitely powerful. Uh, so prior to your podcast, I thought the split between uh, Saban and uh, Lane Kiffin was your pretty run of the mill ego clash. Uh, but uh, after listening to your podcast, I'm not so sure. I'm pretty sure it was on Kiffin's side, but I'm not sure about Saban. And I'm I'm just wondering how you view uh, that whole thing as a as an exercise. Can I can I read anything into it or 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 and and think you know hey you know maybe Saban wasn't being driven by his ego or is, is that too far of a leap to make from from what I heard on your podcast? I think that you know I'm not sure if it's ego. I think that if ultimately at the end of the day there's only room in Alabama for, for one head coach. And I think that, look, if you're Lane Kiffin, you have a balancing act because you've been a head coach. And so, you know, how, you feel like you know how to do it. Right. But at the same time, you took a job that's, you know, the offensive coordinator, not the head coach. So at the end of the day, you have to, you have to yield to uh, what, what the head coach wants. And I think he did a very good job of that, but I think he may have, you know, pushed too far. And I think that as a result, um, you have this kind of real interesting duality to Lane Kiffin because he talks about respecting Nick Saban and he's very glad he took the job. But at the same time, you hear him talk about, you know, Carol is a real players coach and, you know, talking about wanting to be there versus needing to be there. And it's a very conflicted uh, uh, <laughs> presentation. Uh, it's not quite passive aggressive, but it's uh, it's really it's kind of interesting. I, I found I found the interview with Lane to be endlessly fascinating. Yeah. So I think I've told you offline that that's the full interview tape that I'm that I'm really looking the most forward to when uh, when it comes out. So, the, you know, and we've talked about this before offline. There are some people who, for whatever reasons, they just wind up uh, being way more compelling to me than the sum of their parts. And uh, I find I find Lane Kiffin is one of them. And you just brought up, you know, the, how conflicted he is. And may, maybe that's a part of it. But you have a really keen eye for this stuff. Why? Why is Lane Kiffin so damn compelling to me? Well, it's because he talks in a way that uh, is a little, it's just a little different than, uh, you know, the way people typically talk, including, by the way, I finally stopped at one point. I said, why do you keep on saying we? I have a twin (laughs) brother that's been, uh, well, I think it's egotistical when you say I. And I said, I understand, but it's also kind of disarming because, uh, who else was with you? I mean, it's, it's, it's very, it's very strange. It's also, look, I think that he has a tendency to be a little indirect. Um, and that's not, I'm not saying he's being duplicitous, but he's trying to do that balancing act that I was just referring to before. And as a result, I think that, you know, he, he brings more attention to it in a way. And, um, and that's okay. You know, that's okay. I, I mean, listen, I, I found it, I could have done another hour with him. Uh, it, it was, it was, it was fascinating. 
Yeah, it seemed to me like like at least on the on the parts that I heard, um, uh, Coach Saban answered all of your questions sort of very thoughtfully and directly in ways that didn't necessarily prompt a lot of follow up. But it but it seemed seemed like you you kept having to go go uh, go back at, at Lane to get a little bit more after each of his responses. Oh well, that's what made it so delicious. I mean, you kind of live for something like that, you know. Um, and he played ball very well, uh, so I was. You know, I, I was I was thrilled by that. So, uh, you know, I, I haven't talked at all about Coach Cochran and uh, and Coach Cochran and you. I thought had a, an amazingly good back and forth uh, rapport. And there's there's a couple of funny, funny things that he says to you as far as uh, your idea to go down and uh, and train at Alabama. Uh, and I don't want to spoil that, <laughs> but uh, I, I really did enjoy hearing it. But uh, um, I, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed hearing him sort of talk about the world and and um, um I don't know. I did. I have to go back and listen. I don't know that he used the word we a lot, but, uh, um, you know, I really did get the sense that, that he sees himself as an arm of Saban. Like he, he, he is, he is part of a part of a big thing. And, um, and, and the big thing is what matters. And, uh, I, uh, you know, of all the people that you talk to, he, he, he kind of got inside my head the most. Uh, I'm just wondering what your general impressions were in, uh, in talking to him and, and what your experience was. Well, he's he's like probably one of one of the best podcast guests because he's got this very very deliberate voice and he projects, of course, and you get to really experience his personality through just listening to him. I think that one of the things that he also does is he's able to talk about the program and the design of the program in a way that brings you right there. I mean, you understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. And you understand what's expected of the players. And as a result, I think, you know, look, he's very, very good at his job. Kirby uh, wanted to wanted to steal him away. He's one of the highest paid uh, strength coaches in the country. And I think that you quickly understand why. But, you know, when he was describing what they do with the players, um, you know, you alluded to it before. <laughs> I was like, come on, I'll, I'll come down there. I want that. <laughs> And without giving too much, like his first words were, "Oh no, it's not safe." And it's like, "Don't do it, baby." It's like, "Oh my God, that's that's that that should tell you." Something. And he's not joking around. That he that's not that's not a joke. That's like it's not safe, man. Think about that. Yeah, that 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 <laughs> that that was really a fun part to listen to. So I I just started listening to the audio book, uh, "Extreme Ownership: How U.S. Navy Steals Lead and Win." And, uh, the, you know, the stakes are obviously much higher, uh, you know, with the, with the Navy SEALs in a college football game. But the uh, foundation elements uh, strike me as extremely similar. And I'm not through the book yet, perhaps identical uh, to what Saban is doing at Alabama. And I'm just wondering, you know, just just off the top of your head, does that jibe with your experience? Well, I think so. I probably don't know. I mean, you know, I haven't read that particular book, but I think that one of the things that you know, quote unquote, the process does for people um, is it gives you it's, it's, it's much more than football. So I had somebody who runs a thousand person sales force who said to me they listen to the podcast and they don't really care about college football, but that it changed their approach to their business. And so I think that the way that you're kind of universalizing that, um, whether it's the SEAL Team 6 or something else, I think is appropriate because it's much more than football. And I think Miss Terry talks about that. I think that Cochran talks about that. And I think some of the other players 
Um, you know, particularly Barrett Jones talks about that in, in, in the podcast. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to triple down on this theme that, you know, I think that seals audiobook costs like twenty dollars. And I feel like you put out a damn uh, good primer on uh, leadership for free. And it's been great, you know, just even like on Twitter and, and you talking about, uh, the, you know, the sales guy that you talked to to see all the feedback from people saying, basically, I don't really give a rat's behind about Alabama football. But, man, that was a great podcast on leadership. Uh, what's your response been to uh, all that great feedback? Well, I mean, just incredibly grateful. I, you know, you, you try and do these things. I, I, I spend, a, you know, quite a bit of time on each one of these things. And so, I mean, you know, obviously you want people to like them. And, uh, I really, I always love hearing back from people and it's been, I've been very appreciative of of the feedback that, um, we've, no, I'm just kidding that I've gotten on, uh, on, So, so the, 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 uh, the podcast chapter is called origins of a champion, Nick Saban and Alabama's crimson tide. And uh, it was fantastic. I do recommend you go listen to it, uh, wherever, wherever you listen to your podcast, Jim, you got, you got time for a, a, a couple of ESPN questions maybe. Oh, of course. So, uh, uh, neither of us went to, to media day on, uh, on Friday in Bristol and um, but uh, I I've I've kind of just read through the news and and uh, a lot of people are really paying attention to to, to Jimmy Vitaro's comments about the relationship with the NFL. And uh, I didn't feel like there's anything new under the sun there. Uh, but but maybe I missed something. Is there is there anything new under the sun there? You know, Jimmy Jimmy's been outspokenly uh, supportive of, of wanting a good relationship with the NFL for a while now. Uh, but but is there some new element to it? Well, I think what's new under the sun is the fact that the ESPN president is spending so much time saying saying that because, you know, part of it is at this point, um, you know, part of it is the vocabulary that you're using, the kind of words, the dialogue that you want to have about the NFL. Quite frankly, we all know that that wasn't really part of the mix uh, when Skipper was president. And so I think what Jimmy's trying to do is trying to remind Park Avenue and trying to create the perception that things are better uh, with between ESPN and the NFL. Uh, and this is incredibly important leading up to the new negotiations, which are going to start before we know it. So I, I think it's, I think it's not, well, it may not be new to you. I think that he's probably of the mindset that he can't say it enough. Gotcha. So when you've got media day up in Bristol uh, you want to, you know, there's nothing else to say except that it's very important to us. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we really want to have a great relationship. Now, uh, I, I've been contacted by all these conspiracy theorists, <laughs> that, uh, you know, uh, Bob Lee taking off during football season is right. a further sign that, uh, I mean, he may have wanted the rest, but um, probably nobody talked him out of, uh, you know, delaying it. Then because, you know, one of the things that has been difficult for some people at ESPN who want a closer relationship with the NFL is the aggressive journalism that's uh, been from Bob Lee and others, uh, you know, toward the NFL. And uh, so it's it's just kind of interesting. You're going to you're going to pay attention. I think we, we, we all would need to pay attention to not just what they're saying, but what they're doing during this right. com- upcoming football season. And so- are they going to be? as aggressive as they have been in the past. Uh, what do you see as the degree of difficulty uh, for, for uh, Jimmy Pitaro to manage both the relationship with the NFL and with, and with the, uh, the journalistic community within ESPN? How, how tough is that going to be to navigate? 
I think it's going to be really tough. I think, you know, and that's why he gets paid the big bucks because <laughs> it is, there's a, there's a group at ESPN that's very, very proud of their independence and takes it very seriously. And there's a group that says enough is enough. Let's, um, you know, let's, let's start uh, being a little bit more friendly because uh, I think, you know, it, it gets a little crazy, they think. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how he, how he balances it. Yep. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting the, the, the strong message loud and clear. Just, just watch what goes on with the uh, OTL and the, and the, and the, uh, and the journalism about the NFL to, to, to take the temperature. I think so. I think, you know, at some point it's going to be more than just, we want a great relationship with them. So there will be a time during this season where something will happen and the news desk or an individual journalist or a show will want to go pretty, pretty hard at the NFL on it. And we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So, yep, that's, that's definitely going to be interesting to watch. So um, much, much has been made uh, by, by many people of the, uh, of the, the studio show changes on ESPN, I guess, in sort of that uh, noon to 4 p.m. block. And uh, I, I'm just wondering for your high-level thoughts on it, what does it mean if it means anything? And, uh, and, and, and did you, what, what did you think of the changes that ESPN made as far as like uh, uh, moving high, high noon to uh, 4 p.m. and consolidating the uh, Eric Ride Home shows? Yeah, well, I think that's your last sentence. Is, that's, that's, that's the whole thing. I mean, anytime you can, you can be a passenger in a car that Eric Rideham is driving, I think you're in for a good ride. And I think that that was one of the, I, I think that was one of the things that, you know, we could see and it made, made a lot of sense. Um, and I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether it was, let's just give that whole block to Eric or was it the nature of the individual shows? But I still think I still think that the idea of Eric having control over that block is um, is great, and uh, you know, it, I, I think it has a pretty good chance of uh, improving things for them. Uh, I I agree completely with that. So, um, yeah, I've heard this other places, but I think I even heard it uh, with with you and Bill Simmons when you were on Bill Simmons' podcast a week or so ago. And uh, it's the it's this notion about Sports Center and uh, Norby Williamson consolidating power. And uh, I'm just wondering uh, what your thoughts on on Sports Center are in general, and and whether whether you have any opinions on uh, Norby consolidating power. Uh, well, I think I once said that after an atomic blast in Bristol, there would just be cockroaches in Norby Williamson. <laughs> um, so you can't you can't bet against them. But I think that more importantly, from a viewer's point of view, and uh, for people who don't necessarily want to get too deep in the weeds there. Uh, I think SportsCenter is settling into kind of a more stable era right now. Uh, they seem to kind of understand what they want to be and what they don't want to be. And uh, there's been a lot of consolidation and just, you know, real understanding of what the show is. And I, as a result, um, I think that the show is actually enjoying a little bit more of a, of a, of a resurgence. Um, you know, not, it may not manifest itself in a dramatic way in, in terms of the, the ratings, but I think it's going to manifest itself in the idea that viewers, when they come to SportsCenter, will have a clear expectation of what they're going to get. 
but SportsCenter, the DNA of the franchise, uh, is is understood in a better way, not just by Norby, but by the viewers. Right. Right. Yeah, that that uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I really like so I personally I really liked the lineup changes that they made because I thought that they sort of acquiesced to the habits that people already have. And in, in this TV environment, I don't think that's a bad thing to do at all. Uh, I don't think so either. And I think that the other thing is that I think at some point you have to stop looking at their cell phone as a competitor and as something that is just something that you need to account for, you know, and, and, and you can blend in more. And I think that uh, blend in more into, into what you're, um, what you're offering. And I think that they've started to do that, you know, and uh, just because you might be able to get some information on your phone doesn't mean that you don't need sports center. Right. And uh, I think that that's, that's probably something that they've turned the corner on there. Right. So you have a uh, your your current season, I guess, of uh, of or of the Origins podcast uh, will have uh, two additional chapters coming, uh, one on the the upcoming season of Saturday Night Live and one on the uh, on Sex in the City. Uh, and uh, so so when when will the Saturday Night Live chapter drop? In September before the show's premiere. So probably the third week in a third week in September. And uh, like, how much time will you be spending with those guys to put that together? I'm spending, I'm spending a lot. Uh, yeah, I've already been spending time. So, uh, yeah, just uh, and recently spent a lot of time with Sarah Jessica Parker, which was great, and uh, Michael Patrick King, who ran the show uh, Sex in the City. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, these things are, you know, it's kind of time intensive, but I think you get a much better. Uh, you get a much better result at the end. Yeah. So, uh, recommendation if you're if you're an audiobook fan, I, I got uh, I think it was probably like a year before I even started talking to you. I I got the 40th anniversary edition of uh, of your Saturday Night Live book, uh, the audio book, and uh, I you know that's that's like 30 plus some hours of content. It, it, it's a, it's a great listen, uh, and I highly recommend it if you're a Saturday Night Live fan. And uh, I'm going to give that a re-listen myself uh, heading into uh, your new podcast. Oh, that's the Lord's work. Thank you so much. <laughs> hey, Jim, thank you for joining the podcast. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Robert. Thanks again to Jim Miller for joining the podcast. Always a pleasure to talk to Jim, and I do not mind being his honorary VP of marketing because I really like his product that much. And uh, today I'm recording this on August 20th, 2018. I am on the calendar to tape with Stadium CEO Jason Coyle on thursday august 23rd 2018 and if that goes off it'll be out this thursday or friday thanks for listening